Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Let's get started this morning with our last week in systematic theology. Um, the, uh, I know some of you uh, thought that this lesson, this series of lessons um, would go on uh, as, at least as long as that awful mannequin on Hickson Pike that holds the sign and says the mattress store is closing. Right, I, I, That was kind of my goal. My goal was to finish systematic theology before they took that thing down. So now I'm going to start a petition, and we're going to try to get that thing removed. So we've got to do something about that. All right, so let's do our Scripture Memory Passage Review, uh, Revelation 21, 3, and 4, which is just about as positive a couple of verses as you can get uh, in the New Testament. This is the looking forward to all things becoming new. So if you've got these two, let's stand and say it. I love the look of terror you get on your face sometimes, Miss Darla. It's like, look, I got, I just, I just, I just um, no, you're not letting me down. You're good. You're good. Trust me. All right, Miss Amy, we got it? Yes. Awesome. And there was a loud voice from heaven saying, Yes. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, yep. and they shall be his people. Yep. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's my awful hand motion, sorry. <laughs> She's told me before this helps her in no way, shape, or form, but it makes me feel better. So it's really about me feeling good here. So. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, yep. and no more sorrow, yes. and no more crying. Yes. And there will be no more pain. Amen. No more things that pass away. I love it. I love the way you emphasize certain parts of the, the verses. Uh, it makes me happy. So, All right, so no more pain. This is a good thing. So let's look at, uh, I've titled today, if you've got your handouts there, a brief review of what we have learned. Uh, and it really is. This is a brief review. We're, we're covering a, a thick textbook in a very short amount of time. So let's start back where we began on February 16th, 2014, which is a long time ago. Uh, I was telling Julie last night that I, I was thinking and kind of soaking on systematic theology several months before we obviously began the series. So I've been, I've been in this systematic theology mindset since probably November, December of 13, uh, which is a long time to think about Grudem. So I'm excited about today. So systematic theology, uh, you should know these blanks at this point. I've, this would be the eighth time you've seen these blanks. So systematic theology is a study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? 
Um, so the example that I have used in the past uh, are Legos. Obviously, you remember me bringing the Legos in and looking down the table and looking at the colors of Legos versus the sets of Legos. But I wanted you to hear Dr. Grudem this morning talk about systematic theology. So I got a little clip. We'll walk through that. But while I'm pulling this up, a couple things about Dr. Grudem. He's 68 years old. He's been married to his wife, Margaret, for 40 years. They have three adult children. That's a picture of Dr. Grudem and Margaret. Uh, he got his undergraduate degree in economics from Harvard. And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like theology. Nope, it doesn't. Uh, so then he decided that he wanted to go do some stuff for Jesus, so he got a Master's of Divinity from Westminster Seminary, which is not easy, and he decided he needed a little more, so he got a PhD from Cambridge. So Harvard and Cambridge. So if you were wondering as we went through the book, man, it sounds like this guy's really, yep, he is. He's really sharp. I uh, was the president of the Evangelical Theological Seminary. He taught at Trinity Seminary in Chicago for 20 years. Uh, for those of you that use the ESV, uh, he pretty much wrote that. Um, and while they were in Chicago, he noticed uh, his wife had a car accident and started developing chronic serious pain. Uh, and he speaks you know, all over the world. And they visited Arizona a couple of times. And every time they would visit Arizona, she would feel better. So they got to doing a little research, and they found out that dry arid climate really helped with her pain. So he's a full tenured professor at Trinity, and you know what he does? He quits, and he goes to Phoenix. And uh, they land in Scottsdale, Arizona. They get there, they get planted, they get hooked in with a good church. And he says, you know, I need a job. So he calls up Phoenix Seminary, which at the time had, I think, about 120 students, and said, hey, I'm, I'm Dr. Wayne Grudem. I'd like a job. And they said, well, yeah, we know who you are. Um, we'd, we'd love for you to have a job here with us. <laughs> like, is this a joke? I mean, right? I mean, this is pretty significant stuff. So he moved to Scottsdale, Arizona in 2001, uh, right after he actually revised systematic theology. Uh, it's been in print for about 20 years now, 23, four years. Uh, half a million copies sold. It's in 18 different languages. So if you think it's tough in English, think about the dude that has to translate it to another language, how well you have to understand it to do that. It's like, wow, that's got to be challenging. Uh, and then about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago from today, uh, he revealed that he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Uh, and we will talk a little bit about that as we go through. So this is what Dr. Grudem looks like, uh, and I'll show you what he sounds like. We're only going to watch about a minute of this Theology clip. is telling what the whole Bible says about any given topic. What does the whole Bible say about the deity of Christ or the humanity of Christ? What does the whole Bible say about sin or about prayer or about angels or demons or heaven or hell? Um, those are questions and many others that Christians are often interested in, and they, they look at the Bible and they say, wow, there's a lot of material here in the Old Testament and different parts of it, and then the New Testament and different parts of the New Testament. How can I put it all together and find out what the Bible wants me to believe? And systematic theology um, is, is really doing that. It's trying to take all the appropriate verses from different parts of the Bible and uh, saying, well, here's what, here's what a summary is of what God wants us to believe on this topic. All right, we'll stop him there, because he talks for a long time about systematic theology, as you can imagine. Uh, but he is, he is somebody that I have uh, been praying for for quite some time. Just, you know, when I read somebody's book, I pray for him, because I feel like if they help me, I should probably try to help back. That makes sense. And uh, uh, when, when he wrote the letter to Dr. 
John Piper and revealed to him that he had Parkinson's, Dr. Piper asked if he could you know, publish that letter and let everybody know so that people across the world could be praying for him. And uh, so Dr. Piper uh, asked him, you know, he said, what, you know what, what are your plans for the next couple of years? He said, well, I'm, you know, we, we know the disease is eventually going to get my body. This is the way this works. Uh, and we're seeking treatment and whatnot, but I, I really feel compelled to, I've got a book that I want to write, and I want to do a full revision of systematic theology. And I'm thinking, so somebody tells me that I'm going to have, like my body's going to fail me over the next however many years, and my goal is to give back to the kingdom. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So if you are not in the habit of praying for Dr. Grudem, I pray that you would. Uh, also pray for his wife. She still suffers from chronic pain. It's better in Phoenix, but uh, that's where they are. So let's jump back into the handout real quick. So why did we study systematic theology? Uh, a couple reasons. One, to fulfill the Great Commission. Part of the Great Commission is uh, making disciples, and it is difficult to do that if you don't understand what the Bible is and what it says. And if you, if you start at the beginning and read all the way through, that is a great way to read the Bible and understand. It is also a way to miss some of the connections. Uh, it is difficult to see some of those. The second bullet there is to confront sin in our lives. So when we see the whole total weight of teaching uh, of Scripture on a subject, we can, we can be confronted with what God is really trying to communicate to us in this space. And then number three is a quote from Grudem there, to be able to make better decisions later on new questions of doctrine that may arise. Um, the devil is crafty, he is wily, and he is always attacking. Uh, many times it's a, it's a very old heresy or teaching that has a new wrapping on it. Uh, some of you are familiar with the, the concept of regifting. Uh, the devil does this with heresy. He regifts heresy in a brand new package, and we go, oh, this is something brand new. Well, not really. And if, if we really understand Scripture, we can look at it and say, you know what? I don't think that's new. I think that's old. I think that looks really like something that was taught against in the Bible, and we can go and, and find that out. So uh, why do we pick this particular systematic theology book? Well, it's based on the Bible. It's, I think it's clearly written. I understood it. So that was, well, I understood it. I understood probably... 750 of the 1,100 pages, well, that'll be generous enough. Um, and I think that your blank here is what's, what was very helpful to me. It has a lot of application to life. Uh, Grudem said before he wrote his systematic theology book, he went through and he read the scripture, and he looked for places, specifically in the New Testament, where doctrine was taught and there was no application, and he, he just couldn't find it. You know, you, you, these, these writers, they give us some doctrine, and then they show us how to live it. Uh, and I feel like that's what Grudem does quite well as we went through uh, his textbook. So what we as a class learn, big number B. Uh, so let's look at the doctrine of the Word of God. So we start with the doctrine of the Word of God because you've got to have a foundational level for everything else to follow. Uh, we looked at different types of the Word of God, uh, the canon, the list of the books, the scripture, the inerrancy of scripture, characteristics of scripture, uh, its authority, its clarity, its necessity, its sufficiency, lots of different chapters there. Uh, it's funny because as I run through each one of these little phrases, this was a whole week that we spent on each one of these topics, right? So this is a substantial amount of time. Uh, but 2 Timothy 3.16, who can quote it? That. It's all good works, right? There's something we're supposed to do with this, right? So this, this idea that this is really, really important. Uh, so my, my big takeaway is that the Bible is our basis for understanding God. So what do we do with that? We stay close to the text. We stay close to the text. 
Um, I have found when I start to wander away from the text, yes, yes, it is so good to see y'all. I'm going to be distracted because I haven't seen them in a while, so it's great to see y'all. And the baby's here. Um, So I have found that when I get away from the text and step another step away, this is where fuzzy, awful, bad theology comes into place. But when I stay very, very close to the text, it is good. Uh, So then we move to looking at, after we looked at God's Word, we studied God Himself, which, I mean, you could do that forever. Uh, So somebody flip over to Revelation 5, 11, and 12. We looked at the existence of God, whether or not God can be known, His character, how He's like us and how He's different from us. We looked at the Trinity. We looked at creation. God's providence, miracles, prayer, angels, and then God's enemies, Satan and demons. So who's got Revelation 5, 11, and 12? I don't know that it represents that whole section well, but I think it is a good response to learning about God himself. So, got it, Mitch? Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That's a big number if you're looking at mathematics. That's a big number. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Mm. So, so at the end of things, when we look back and we go, So how did this all turn out? We will say, Worthy. And this is good. This is very, very good. So one of my big takeaways in this section was to stop making analogies for the Trinity. Um, I feel like we beat this fairly uh, hard when we went through. Uh, Nothing in the universe is like the Trinity, so your blank is stop it. Um, We'll just be very blunt. (laughs) Sometimes I need blunt, right? Thank you, Julie, for being blunt sometimes. It's very helpful. Thank you for being kind, too. I need kindness sometimes. It's... Uh, so then we moved to the doctrine of man. So we looked at the creation of man, the genders God made. Uh, if you're interested in the genders, uh, Grudem actually wrote a whole book on that topic. It's a really phenomenally well-written book. Uh, the nature of man, sin, and the covenants between God and man. And I think you know, we went to Revelation for the first. We'll go to Genesis for this text here, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Ms. Darley, you got it? And God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's right. So if you ever wonder about your purpose, like, what am I here to do? Well, like, he wrote it down. So it's, it's pretty helpful, right? It's pretty straightforward stuff. Um, so what's, what's my, uh, my takeaway here? We, we covered a lot of different uh, views on the creation, on the nature of man, on covenants between God and man. Uh, we talked about open-handed and closed-fisted issues. Uh, so what I would say is that know them and behave accordingly. Know which, know which theologies, know which doctrines are open-handed and which are closed-fisted. Decide beforehand what you're going to get mad about. I promise you it's a lot easier way to live life. Um, I, I experienced this a couple months ago with a coworker at work, and we were having a, a conversation about something, and I, I thought, you know, I, th- I think we're about to have a fight. So before, before we got there, I told her, I said, look, I, I committed when I came into the role that I'm in right now that I'm going to be your friend on the other side of this job. So when I'm done with what we're doing now, I'm still going to be your friend. So I'm going to have this next conversation with you knowing we're going to still be friends, right? She's like, well, yeah. And it totally changed the conversation because we decided what we were going to get mad about and what we didn't. And it was really good. So I think maybe we can do that with theology. 
Like, you, my brother Bill Brandenburg has a great quote on this. He said, you can't make me care about that. <laughs> it's brilliant, right? It's just, I'm, just, I'm not going to be angry at you for this. And that's okay. Uh, all right, so part four, the doctrines of Christ and the Holy Spirit. So we looked at uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and some special concepts related with them. If, if I had one critique of the entire book, I would have moved part four to part three. But, like, really, now we're talking about organizational structure. It, it's all right. Uh, so we looked at the person of Jesus Christ, how he is fully God and fully man. We looked at the atonement, the at-one-ment, uh, the resurrection, the ascension, the offices of Christ, how he's prophet, priest, and king, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the key text here was 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. Who's got that? Yep, got it. Awesome. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become Amen. the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For all, as in Adam all die, even so Christ all shall be made alive. And who makes alive? Christ. Yes, absolutely. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. That's it. That's it. Who keeps us until Christ comes back? The Holy Spirit does, right? So we have both of these members of the Trinity working together here. That's why I thought it was a good uh, verse for both of them. So a, a big takeaway here is imitate the work and the active nature of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Copy them. Copy them. Like Find out what the Trinity is doing and copy that. Um, so we're going to move to part five. Uh, the doctrine of the application of redemption. Again, this is Grudem's fancy way of saying salvation. Uh, but it's even, it's even more than salvation. The, the more I taught that section, the more I realized I think he's probably right in the way he's named it. Uh, and I came to that conclusion a lot um, when teaching to Grudem. He, he's thought about this quite a bit, and he used the words that he wanted to use. So we looked at common grace. Remember we defined that as the when you look around and you see that it doesn't look like the burning fires of hell, that's... That's common grace, right? We have God's grace that has been extended to us so that we can exist and know him. Uh, election, reprobation, the gospel call, effective calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, sanctification, baptism in and filling with the Holy Spirit, the perseverance of the saints, so staying saved, death in the intermediate state, glorification and union with Christ. So lots of topics there, kind of running the whole gamut of this application of redemption. So Galatians 2.20, who knows it? <clears throat> Doug? That's right. Absolutely. Isn't that beautiful? It's absolutely beautiful. It's like, I don't live this. Jesus lives this through me. So my takeaway here was the Trinity works together for man's salvation and God desires me. <sighs> Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. This is amazing, amazing stuff. So then we move to doctrine six, the doctrine of the church. So after we looked at salvation, what do we do with as a group of people that are saved? Right? This makes sense to put it there. So we looked at the nature of the marks, the purposes of the church, the purity and the unity of the church, the power of the church. All the, Remember all those different forms of church government? All those org charts that I had and whatnot? That was a lot of fun. Sorry. Just had to say that. Uh, the means of grace within the church, so baptism, the Lord's Supper, worship, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, lots and lots of stuff going on here. So we looked at uh, Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13. Who's got that? Dave? And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah. There's, there's a purpose that he had in creating the individual parts. There's a way that the parts work together. There's a reason the parts were put together. There's a process we're working through as we're put together. And there's something that he's going to do with us at the end of that. It's absolutely stunning planning. I cannot imagine the planning department of, of God. I mean, it's just, and he does it all himself. It's just absolutely incredible. So the church is a complex organism devised and sustained by God. So let's treat her gently. Um, I don't know that we say this enough. I think sometimes we come with closed fists and angry hearts and like, I want to fight. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Uh, now, we need, to, we need to be aggressive about heresy, but let's be gentle uh, with each other. Uh, and then part seven, the section that we just finished. So we're looking at the future, looked at the return of Christ, the return of Christ, the millennium, the final judgment, and then eternal punishment and the new heavens and the new earth. So Revelation 21, 3, and 4. Anyone? Anyone? No. Miss Amy's got it. <laughs> Dwelling places now among his people, and he will go with yeah. them, and he will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. God himself. I can. I just, like, God himself will dwell with him. So he made us, he designed, he watched us fail and wallow around in our own filth and said, I want to live with them. Like, what, what kind of a God does this? Mine. It's beautiful. Keep going, I'm sorry. And he will wipe away every tear from yes. their eye, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, and there will be no more pain. That's right. No more it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So God will demonstrate his goodness through ending this age. So look forward. Look forward. We look down too much. We get frustrated too much. Uh, we should look forward. All right, so the next section is mine. Uh, so... What did I learn? Uh, well, it took a while to get through all this. I came in early this morning and I printed off my teacher notes from systematic theology. So that's like it's a few pages, right? Um, and what I learned is that Grudem's really smart. <laughs> and it's really hard to do this kind of stuff. Um, and and I, I mostly learned that I'm not as smart as you think that I am. Um, because it is, it is shocking to me how much we still have to learn. Uh, we, we still have to learn. And I, I listened to Grudem teach many of these lessons, and over and over and over I heard him say, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. He was completely comfortable with saying, I don't know. And it was good and helpful for your Sunday school teacher to hear somebody whom he admires say, I don't know. Because it made me more comfortable saying, I don't know. But my God does, and he will end it well, and it is good. So a couple of things that I learned. Number one, the deepness of God in his word. Um, you know, we spent 57 weeks, uh, and one of the things that I still love about going and looking at this physical book every once in a while is that that word, an introduction to biblical doctrine. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is literally the intro book. This is not the advanced version. This is the introduction book. Um, so there, we are scratch and sniff theology is as much as we got with this. Uh, Romans eleven thirty three. Who's got it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we're 
we're not getting to the bottom of that well. It, you're not getting to the bottom of that well, which is so encouraging when we go to Scripture because we're not going to run out of material. This is, I, I never have to worry about, hmm, I wonder if that part of the Bible has anything to, yeah, it's good. It's deep and it's good. Uh, number two is and is greater than or. So the greater than symbol, the, the fat side should be pointed toward the and um, <clears throat> for the, you non-math people. Uh, many, many, many times we came across seemingly contradictory verses when we would look at all the verses in a topic. And it would, you would think, well, I think the Bible's got a conflict here. No, no, the Bible's not contradicting itself. Uh, it might just be hard. It might be difficult to understand. Uh, but what, what I think, we, I hope that we took a step toward taking a yes approach to Scripture, saying yes, this is true, and yes, this is true, and yes, this is true, and thank you, Lord, for being you and for revealing anything to us, never mind as much as you actually did, because he could have created us and left us completely in the dark. There was no need for him to create light for any other reason than to know, for us to know that there is light in the universe and that is reflective of our God. So he could have left us in the dark. He absolutely did not. Uh, Number three, theology helps me live right now. I mean, the more I know about God's word, God, man, salvation, the church, and the future, the more I can live rightly uh, now. So Psalm 119, 105. I think every day we live out our theology. Our, our lives reflect our beliefs. And I think we need to be grounded in what's true so that we know how to live. So who's got Psalm 119, 105? If you ever want to memorize a chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119 is a fantastic one to do. And yes, it can be done. Um, it's an amazingly well-written chapter because in Hebrew, like that first section of eight verses all start with the same letter, Aleph. And the next section of eight verses all start with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Bait. And then the next section of eight verses start with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Gimel. And then the next section, and they go through the all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which is why there's that many sections of eight. And little Hebrew boys and girls, that's that Psalm 119 is literally how they learned their alphabet. They would learn eight verses, of each letter of the alphabet, and that tell them the order of the alphabet and all the letters. And this is, this is why we have letters, because God uses letters to put words together to teach us his word. That is why we have language. And that's how a, a small Hebrew child in Bible times would have learned how to read, which is, and we look at it and we go, oh, that's so much to learn. And there would be like three and four-year-olds quoting the whole thing, right? So they had a version of Awana too. <laughs> it's kind of the way it works. So Psalm 119, 105. Yes. It's a lamp into my feet. So it shows me where I am and a light to my path. It shows me where I need to go. Uh, so it helps me now. It helps me in the future. Theology helps me live right now. Number four, God is so active. If you want to put like six O's on the so, I think that's great. Um, from Genesis 1-2, where the Spirit was hovering over the waters and life was about to spring forth to all the way to Revelation 21-23. Who's got that one? Revelation twenty one twenty three, Dave, you got it? The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, yeah. for the glory of God illuminated it. Yeah, so even at the end of all things, God is still working for his people's good, right? I mean, it is just, 
It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. From the second verse in to, I don't know how many verses we got left in the Bible when you got Revelation 21, 23, but there's not a lot. The whole thing is a record of God's activity um, despite our just complete deficiency. Uh, I was reminded, so I was reminded how much I love to teach the Bible. I mean, this is a hard series. It was a long series. Um, I think today is week 58 of this series. And uh, I was also reminded how much I love breaks. So several of you uh, provided me breaks as we went through this. We stopped and we taught something else, and I was able to hand the baton off, and, and you helped out. Um, I want to read, and I won't make it through, so I need a Bible. Um, that's pretty sad that I didn't bring a Bible up here. Darla, may I use your Bible? Awesome. I'm going to read Nehemiah. Uh, this has some challenging words, some names in here. But each, I'm going to teach a lesson on this at some point in the future. Um, Each one of these names has a very specific meaning, uh, and they remind me of people that I know. um, I love a worn-out Bible. Thank you, Ms. Darla. Um, I asked God when I was in college what I was supposed to do with my life. And I'm going to read you the verse that he shared with me. Uh, Verse 8, verse 5, sorry. Ezra opened the book, this is the book of the law, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. They had built him a platform to stand on. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Joshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabithiai, Hodiah, Masiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanine, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while they read, while the people were standing there. Verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning. So that the people could understand what was being read. Um, that's my favorite part of the Bible. Because that's mine. And uh, I am extraordinarily grateful to you all. Thank you, Ms. Starla. For um, letting me do this. I think this is... I just can't believe people show up for this each week. I can tell Julie sometimes like, they're going to show up. <laughs> it's cool. Um, but I, as I was teaching through this series, I was reminded how much I love you guys. Um, Hundreds and hundreds of times as we're going through this series, I'd read something and I'd go, oh, so-and-so, they, they're going to they're gonna love this. This is going to be fantastic. I just couldn't wait to show up and, and teach you these things. So um, I'm incredibly grateful for you and for your commitment to the study of the Bible. I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, it's incredibly, incredibly encouraging. But number six is the one uh, that was probably most personal to me. Uh, and we actually won't get through all of this. But in early November, I had a business trip to Phoenix, Arizona. And I knew a couple of weeks before I was going to go to Phoenix, Arizona. So I reached out to Dr. Grudem's admin and said, hey, I'm going to be in Phoenix these couple of days. Any chance like I could meet Dr. Grudem? She said, I don't know. Let me check. <laughs> so she comes back and she's like, well, he's actually not going to be in the office the days you're there. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I said, well, I really was looking forward to maybe getting a picture and him signing my copy of Systematic Theology. She said, oh, well, I've got an answer for that. Just ship it out here. I'll have him sign it. And then uh, when you show up, you can just swing by his office and we'll pick it up. 
That's pretty cool. All right. So I, I may have been like a Facebook stalker and figured out where he went to church. Uh, so that Saturday night, I was scheduled to speak uh, at this conference Sunday morning at uh, 12 o'clock. Like, who schedules speakers Sunday morning at 12 o'clock, right? That was just stupid. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to get to his church, which was like 30 minutes away, and then get back and be able to do that Sunday morning. I said, all right, I'll go to the Saturday night service. They had a Saturday night service. So I strolled in Scottsdale Bible Church on a Saturday night, looking for Wayne Grudem. Uh, <laughs> sounds like the start of a bad joke, doesn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and what I found was unbelievable. Um, because it, I don't know the last time you visited a church, but I went into this church actively trying to look like a visitor. So I did the Daryl. You know, Daryl uh, gives coaching sometimes uh, as to how to help people when they come in the lobby. And he always says, if, if you get see people come in the lobby and they're they're looking up for like signs, and and they're just they're obviously confused, and you know, perhaps someone needs help, right? So this would be good. And what I learned is that Scottsdale Bible Church suffers from greeter uh, dysfunction, just like we do at Stuart Heights. And I just got to wander around the lobby for a minute and finally, literally, bumped into somebody who handed me a bulletin and then said, oh, the sanctuary is that way. I said, all right, great, thanks. So go sit in the sanctuary. I sat in the dead center of the sanctuary, completely by myself, trying to just look as much out of place as possible, and could not get anybody to talk to me. Like, it was really challenging. They were very nice, polite people. Uh, but nobody stopped to say, hey, why are you here? Because I was ready to, like, Dr. Grudem. <laughs> That's why I'm here. You know, where is he? And uh, <clears throat> so so it's about time for the service to start, and uh, light's kind of dim, and the senior pastor comes up, and he says, hey, guys, uh, tonight's a little bit different. Uh, we actually have a concert after the service tonight. Phil Wickham is here, and he's going to be at the concert, and uh, it's his concert, right? So he's going to be there. And he said, we asked Phil if he would mind leading worship for us tonight. And he's graciously agreed. So um, I got to watch. It's not going to work now, is it? Um, I got to watch Phil Wickham lead worship. Uh, and the two more slides over. Awesome. And this album cover is absolutely perfect because he never once opened his eyes. Um, <laughs> It was, it was spectacularly flawless. I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of cool. I had no idea what we were doing next. The guy, ne- I don't know how he moved around on the stage. No idea. He never opened his eyes. It was absolutely fantastic. So he's on stage. He has, no, uh, he has a guitar. And there's another guy on stage. And he's kind of, he's kind of, he's probably, if, if Phil Wickham's the podium, the other guy's kind of right here. And this guy has no idea what Phil Wickham's doing either. So he's kind of like trying to see the chords that he's playing to figure out where we're going next and how we're going to do all this. So I'm watching this guy, and I'm thinking, this guy looks really, really familiar. Like, you know when you know somebody and you go, I don't know why I know you, but I know you. So you know the next slide? Is it going to work now? Have you seen this video? Has everybody seen this video? You gotta love millennials. This is the guy that was sitting to Phil Wickham's right playing the, and the guy knew what he, now I'm not a music guy, but you can tell when a guy knows what he's doing. 
I knew what he was, really, really gifted, talented. So I'm thinking, I think that's the millennials guy. He's like, M-I-L-L-E-N, you know. Like, okay, here we go. So we, we fast forward through that. We get through the service itself. The speaker was just mind-blowingly good. And I'm going to have to come back and do a series in like 20 years on that because it's going to take me 20 years to process that. I'm just not ready for that. So it's time to do communion. And this is a church where they do communion every single Sunday. And, um, and this guy comes up. And he sings this song. And this song is, I was not ready for this song. <clears throat> this was an absolutely amazing song. So let's go two screens forward, if we could. And uh, we'll see if we can play this song. I'm a wretch no more. Wow. So here's what God told me right that moment. I walked into a worship service looking for Wayne Grudem. Who should I have been looking for? Should have been looking for God, right? Uh, so here's my blank. The priority of desiring God over desiring information about God. And uh, taught me a lot of things about myself and some things that I missed as we went through systematic theology. Um, so the next day, can go to that last slide there, Dave. The next day I went to Dr. Grudem's office. And I picked up my copy. <laughs> and if you look real close, you see his hand is shaking. Because it's already started. So who's got Psalm 37.4? beautiful. So I don't know how else to end the systematic theology, but by saying thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us people in the kingdom that do really cool things to help us understand him more. And thank you, Lord, for um, the beauty of yourself. Uh, help us to delight ourselves in you so that we can do what you would have us to do and that we can be who you would have us to be. Uh, and don't forget to pray for Dr. Grudem and his wife. I think that would be a good Christmas present to them. So please, please, please remember to do that. So with that, we conclude systematic theology. Yes. I'm excited. So thank you all for hanging around for that. Um, your weekly update is at the center of your table. Lean in, engage. And I can promise you I am extremely pumped extremely pumped about doing Romans in 2017 because I do marathons. We don't do short series around here. We do long series. This is my Netflix shirt. You see that? Is that awesome or what? Uh, and I am pumped about doing all of 2017 in Romans. Uh, I've got a couple ideas for some really neat stuff. Uh, always tweaking and playing around with the formula. So the special sauce changes every year. You know, that's the way we do this. So, so lean in, engage, praise the group, and then you are dismissed. And uh, remember, no Sunday school next week or the week after. We'll start back on January the 8th, I think it is. So see you next year.